All right. Welcome in. Oh my gosh. Did my voice just crack there? <laughs> I'm keeping that in. All, All right. right. Welcome in to another episode of the Outside the Lines podcast. <laughs> I am your favorite co-host, Mason Magruder. And today we have a very fun episode. We have Tim Flattery from the Moonlight Graham joining us to talk some March Madness, a quick little debriefing on the Big 12 tournament, which kind of sucked. And of course, because he's Tim Flattery, we will talk a lot of baseball. But as always, we are presented by our favorite sponsor, BNC Fieldhouse. Head on over to BNC Fieldhouse for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue, as well as best place to watch the big game. Head on over there this Friday night to cheer on your Cyclones. We're recording on a Monday. Bachelor Monday is in effect, but they also have the finale on Tuesday. So, hey, couple that with Taco Tuesdays and Bachelor finale, and you have one hell of a Tuesday night. And, of course, they have deals, well deals every Wednesday, drag shows on Thursday, but most is on Sundays. And, of course, head on over there for the weekend to watch your March Madness games. It is the best place to watch the big game. But without further ado, we'll get into it with Tim Flattery. Roll clones. All right, welcome in on another episode of the Outside the Lines podcast. Today, we have a very important guest joining us, Tim Flattery with the Moonlight Graham Show. He is joining us today to talk some Iowa State hoops, to debrief a little bit from the travesty that was the Big 12 tournament, and to hopefully find some better luck in March Madness. But Tim, we appreciate you joining us today. And yeah, let's let's just get a little pulse check. How are you feeling coming off that Texas Tech loss? I don't feel good. I don't know how you guys feel, but I don't feel good at all. The only thing that is saving me right now as a lifelong Iowa State fan, how many disappointing NCAA tournaments did we have after the Big 12 tournament down in Kansas City went well? So that's that's mm-hmm. like the optimism that I'm feeding myself right now, being like, hey, I remember when we won the Big 12 tournament and then we lost to UAB right away and how much that hurt. So let's flip it around right now. And we have almost zero optimism coming out of the big 12 tournament, but anything can happen in March. It's happened before, but it hurts even more that the Hawkeyes have looked so good. It's just salt in the wound right now. So I don't know that that's where I'm at right now. It's just a fair warning to them that we've been there and done that. We've won our conference tournament a couple of times and it's, it doesn't always pan out in March. So we had the same thing with uh, Ohio state that year too. Um, lost to them in the first round after going off in the big 12 tournament. So I, I don't know. Like I also thought Texas tech was the worst matchup that we could have had going into the big 12. I would have much rather played Baylor or Kansas um, because I just feel like, I mean, tech, we barely escaped by when they had seven guys. And then the last time we played them, they smoked us in, in Lubbock and they're just, I don't know, they play such good ass defense that when your offense is already not strong, it, it, it makes it even harder, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're rested. They're rested. That's, that's what I keep telling myself. Hey, they're just well rested. You know, they're, they're gonna have a full week off, just ready to go. And, and, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think they could have had a better draw either. So, um, yeah, you're exactly right. This team is so one dimensionally so one-dimensional on offense that if we're not creating offense from our defense and you're playing a good defensive team like Texas Tech that is pressuring the ball, it's making it tough to drive on, they're closing out on the shooters, there's just not a lot that this team can do. You know, it's, it's not like we can scheme up better offensive things. We just don't have the pieces for it. 
And so Texas Tech is a nightmare matchup. We need to play a different team that wants to get up and run and gun, has a little bit open, more free-flowing style that we can create some turnovers, get transition on. That isn't Texas Tech at all, but that might be LSU. I think that's why LSU is a better fit for us, and that program's kind of falling apart right now. So I feel a lot better about the NCAA tournament than I do the Big 12 tournament. I love the take of, you know, who cares about the Big 12 tournament? You know, that hasn't panned out for us in the past. Because in our last episode, I was asking Newt, would you rather have a Sweet 16 appearance or would you rather win the Big 12 tournament? I, I just love Big 12 play. Like, I love just the style of, you know, athletics that is the Big 12. So I personally love the ba- the bragging rights of winning the Big 12 tournament. And he's like, no, 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 no. Sweet 16, I would take that and have a first round exit in the Big 12 tournament. After I thought about it and kind of came to my senses, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sweet 16 is much more, you know, more nationally recognized attention, as well as, I mean, you're playing against, you know, a whole different group and just one bad game in the Big 12 tournament can, you know, knock you out. I guess it's similar to the NCAA tournament too, but, you know, you're exactly right. It's never panned out for us in the past doing well in the Big 12 tournament and coming into the NCAA tournament. So I kind of like going in a little bit colder. And I, I agree. I think LSU is a great matchup for us. I was looking up the other day. Iowa State won the Big 12 tournament four times in six years, and we never made an Elite Eight in that run. You know, it's just kind of, it's head-scratching of how much heartbreak there was throughout that that really good tournament run that we had through Hoiberg and the early prom years there. And so you always got to remind yourself that the NCAA tournament on Thursday and Friday of this week, as we're going to be watching that, there's going to be so much that we can't predict. And so many teams that we feel so highly about right now as we're putting our brackets together that just aren't going to pan out the way that we think that that they are. But it's impossible to know that beforehand. I feel like conference tournaments never pan out the way the bracket actually does. Like, like never. And I I know this because – Small brain talking here. I always pick the teams that do well in the tournament, and that's why my bracket is busted every single year. So I'm trying to go against that when filling out my bracket this time. Teams are always going to regress to the mean. It's like, it. I don't know. It, it sounds really like statistics and, and nerdy and shit, but unless you're an elite team, like, you know, you are Gonzaga or you're like Baylor last year or whatever that you've played, cons- like your, your mean is very good. You're going to, you know, like, it's like Virginia tech going off and winning the ACC. Like that's just a team that, you know, they they showed up for a a weekend long tournament and it's, it's probably going to be really hard to that for them to then play at that same level because they didn't play at like a crazy level for an entire season or their entire schedule. Like, I think there is a difference between a team like Iowa and a team like Virginia tech, whereas Iowa got hot at the end of the year and then carry that momentum in the tournament. So it could be saying like, Hey, they're, they may have figured something out towards the end of like conference play. And now they're, they're going to keep that hot because of just how, you know, they're playing together as a unit and stuff. But I do think when you get like those outliers of like the, the lower seeds running through their conference tournaments and getting hot that they do sort of like fizzle out when it comes to March, because, you know, there's a reason why they're lower seed or there's a reason why they struggle during the year. And usually that gets solved in March, man. It's, it's also the longest time for the most part that these teams can scout on teams. You, you get a good four to five days in between games. Whereas 
you know, during the season, you're lucky if you get two or three days to look at a team and, and practice and, and kind of coordinate that stuff. So I don't know. I, I feel like that's, that's definitely a common trap, but I feel like that's one that it's just like, yeah, they're going to regress to the mean unless their, their mean is, is really good. Hello, Ralph. I, I think Love you bring that. up a great point there too, new about the scouting part of it. It's going to really benefit Iowa state to play teams that they haven't already seen them once or twice already before, because since this team is so one dimensional offensively, those teams, even though they're going to be able to scout us, they won't have actually played uh, us yet. And so they're going to think like jazz Koontz because the stats show he's a 37% three point shooter. And as Iowa state fans were like, I can't believe he actually shot 37% because it feels like it never went in, but you're going to, that, that scouting report really hurt us after the preseason conference schedule where nobody had seen us before. We looked so good in the preseason. Then once the scouting report gets out on us and you realize how one dimensional you are. And if the teams have the guys to be able to, to guard Iowa state in the way that, that we can be guarded like a Texas tech has, they can completely shut us down. But if in just 40 minutes of play against a team that hasn't seen us before, I think Iowa state on the right day can beat anybody. And I, yeah, I, I think agree. it really comes I think defense. Like, yeah, that, they slow down teams. Like, in the Big 12, a lot of these teams have grinded out defenses that are going to force you to – you earn your buckets. And if your conference doesn't have that or, like, it, the same thing with Iowa State, they're facing these defenses that are making them work for it and their offense isn't good. That's how you have these consistently, like, poor performances in conference play or, or whatever with it. Whereas a one-off of, like, hey, when we play the, the Big 12 – um, SEC challenge, or we play, you know, in a preseason or a pre-conference season tournament that these teams aren't seeing this defense. And it's the only time they're going to see it that that can shake them up. And all you need to do is shake up a team for 40 minutes to have success. So. Yeah. And the big 12 was just freaking good this year. Like it was a, I mean, it's always good, but man, it seemed like the depth in it. I mean, People are talking about TCU as a dark horse. TCU was one of those wins that we couldn't believe we lost. We let we led that game by 14 points and let it slip away against them. And now people are talking about TCU making a deep run in the tournament. KU's playing really well. Uh, Baylor, of course. So I think the Big 12 is going to play really well in March, just like they did last year. I think we have to, and this has been the tale of the entire season, but you have to have someone else step up in this March Madness tournament because TJ Otzelberger confessed just yesterday that he doesn't know much about LSU. You know, he's still got to go and do his homework. And I think, you know, those teams that have a star studded player, that guy is going to get schemed a lot harder than everyone else on the team. So I'm hoping LSU is kind of in a similar boat where they don't know a ton about Iowa state. Usually when you're just, you know, coming off of conference play, you're so in your head about how, how can you get a, get a leg up on your competition within your conference that when you get to March, sometimes you forget, Oh, there's different styles of play than just the big 12. Right. And so I think Brockington might face a little bit tougher of a challenge. Not that he always does. I mean, he's, he's always schemed pretty, you know, tough and he always comes out at least putting some points in the board, but I think, you know, now is a time more than ever where we have to get grill going. We have to get Cal Schur going jazz Kunch. Hey, if, if he can shoot 35% beyond behind the arc on Friday, let's go ahead and do this. But I think, um, and, and Brockington has been on a little bit of a downward trajectory where he's still, you know, putting up double digit points, but not quite like he used to at, at the beginning of the year and at the beginning of conference play. So I think a lot of teams are starting to open their eyes to Brockington realizing this guy might be, you know, well, he's not might. 
he is our main offensive weapon. So if he gets locked down, you know, we, we really got to look at some other guys stepping up. So hopefully, hopefully they show up to play. Yeah, you're right. We, we need to get hot. I mean, I think anybody knows it. We need to make some shots. Caleb grill needs to go, you know, four out of six from beyond the arc, Gabe Kalsher, you know, just shoot 40% for the game Kalsher and we'll be fine. The other thing that I like, obviously will Wade just got let go at LSU, but even before that, I like Otzelberger's postseason experience. Like Otzelberger's a guy that has been on a lot of benches in the NCAA tournament. He's had success in the postseason at South Dakota State. And I just, I think that that is really going to help us out this coming week, especially how we enter the game on Friday. So I feel really good about where we're at, the draw, probably the, the, the optimism in that locker room is probably going to be really good as opposed to maybe some of the stuff happening over at LSU. And reminder, we do have postseason experience on this team. Maybe George Condit is the only one that wore an Iowa State uniform when he had that experience. But Gabe Kalsher had a great, you know, March. Was it last year? And Brockington, you know, was there with Penn State at one point, too. So, you know, you look at this Iowa State team, you think, oh, these guys shouldn't be here. These guys have no experience. That's not necessarily the case. You know, we have some guys that have played in March before and really well at that, too. So, I think we might surprise some people. I love the LSU matchup. I hate how great defensively they are. That was a little bit of a bummer because I think, you know, we're just going to hammer the under for this game. But all we need to do is just make more points than them. And offensively, I think we can, I think we can do that against LSU. Yeah. And if nothing else, I am, I mean, God bless George Condit, but man, I'm looking forward to the day where he's not on the team anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know this is pro cyclone here, but like, man, some of these like high post stuff with Jones and Condit this year has been hard to watch. And I feel like those guys have been put in some tough spots, but man, it's been, when it's been ugly, it's been ugly. A lot of it has been, has gone through those guys. It's been asking a, a big to be, who's normally not skillful with the ball to be skillful with the ball. And like Condit, Condit can make some passes here and there. But he's he's obviously just not comfortable, you know. Like he's not he's not your sort of like flex big. Like it's like if George Yang was like hypothetically doing that, like we were isolating him at the elbow and then running these dribble handoffs and like would be an outside. Th- like it's like we just don't have like a sort of stretch four to like run that through where they have an outside and it, like it's like Condit's gonna only be a threat near the basket. And when we take him out of that element, it's just, it's hard on him. Like, and right. it's, I don't know. It's same with, same with Bob Jones. Like, it's like, you know, these guys are, they're only going to be shooting within, you know, like eight feet max uh, of the the hoop and stuff. And uh, yeah, it, it can get really frustrating when it gets ugly. Cause these teams will just like, they just get their hands all over them. And it's like, well, can we please do something else? Like it's, <laughs> it's that. And like the, the absolute lack of tempo there's so many times that like after a great defensive possession even if we have numbers of just like four on three or something that there's not this like push it's like no no we're gonna slow down and set up our our half court offense that has already been struggling or like hasn't been doing well and stuff and it's like i I feel like those two things are just they can get so frustrating to watch because like just push it let let tyrese get in space like or let Brockington get in space and, and try and use those momentum of the team, like not being completely set before like, you know, the high pick and roll, throwing it in and, and running around. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like those are two things that like, it's obviously way too late in the year to probably be making any crazy adjustments on it, 
but there's so many times where I'm just like tempo, like you guys got to do something different at on the offensive end at this point. Cause it's just like, you keep like hitting your head on a brick wall at this point. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. And I, I think part of it is the roster is the roster. And that's one thing that's kind of hard pilled to swallow as fans is we, as fans, we want things to be different, but you got to play to your personnel and they just don't have the personnel. Like it's a, we won two games last year. They had to make a patchwork, you know, plug the gaps in as best they could. And then when you look at this team, the team is what it is. And what it is, is you don't have very much ball handling. You have almost zero shooting. You don't have skilled big guys. And it's a miracle that we've won 20 games. And so I think that's the focus. But I remember I was, I sat pretty close to the floor against Texas Tech at home when we won. And it was shocking to me at how poor Iowa State was at handling the ball. Like Hunter is the only guy that can handle the ball. And as fans, all the fans around me were just screaming, you need to get to the hole. You need to get to the hole. It's like, are you guys watching? Nobody can dribble. How, how are they supposed to get to the hole if they can't dribble, especially when you're playing against a team that's really good defending the ball? And, yeah. and that's just the way it is with Iowa State. And so if you have a team that doesn't handle the ball well, mixed with a team that doesn't shoot the ball well, ooh, you know, you see what we've had at certain points throughout this year. I'm glad you brought up star new. You want? I was just, it's, it's weird that like Trey Jackson has not had any significant time lately because it's like, he was that traditional backup point guard that, like you said, when Tyrese is out, they do this combination of like Brockington and Gabe Kalsher bringing up the ball. And you can just tell both guys are, are not terribly comfortable with that role. And it's also taking them out of their elements of being off ball, moving off the ball, like Brockington thrives, moving off the ball, getting himself like on the wing one-on-one with guys. He doesn't, he doesn't, he does not want to create his shot or have to get open or deal with pressure. As soon as he crosses half court, like that's just not a recipe for success. You guys follow it more closely than I do. What's going on with like Jackson and Aruna? Like there had to be something that no idea happened in practice or some team culture thing you know, I, I don't get it. I'm not in the locker room. You know, those co- the coaching staff has done a great job this year, but some of like the Interuna minutes for sure have, have just kind of been per- perplexing this year. I think a lot of fans have noticed it. I'm sure there's something going on behind the scenes that maybe we'll find out later. Maybe we won't. Otherwise it's just kind of a, a head scratcher because he seems like one of those guys that would fit a lot of what we're talking about as far as skilled guys that can run the floor, that can defend a lot of different positions, athleticism, you know, he, he fills a lot of those gaps, but the coaches know better than we do. That's for darn sure. The one thing I remember seeing coming out of it, because when Anuruma's minutes are getting cut a little bit, people were wondering about it. I mean, he has a couple of games where he was logging 30 minutes plus he was a leading scorer. Um, couple games too and they're saying that it was like lack of like defensive discipline and that was something that Ots just will not give up on is like no i'm I'm not going to sacrifice two points for two points or like two points to maybe get two points on the other end it's like you're gonna you're gonna guard your guy you're not gonna be the like you're not gonna give up easy buckets you're gonna you know like defend as a unit and and i think that was something that i don't know maybe he's being too aggressive or, or kind of just not not doing as well on that end but like i haven't heard anything on the trey jackson like the last like trey jackson moment was when he hit those big free throws to get right. the the win at the mm-hmm. end and it's like oh hell yeah like trey jackson i shot a free throw all game or all year and he comes in and hits two big ass ones to give us a victory and then it's like 
he hasn't, I, I don't think he's played for a few games and like his minutes just got like diminished. And it's, you know, it's like Tyrese is obviously coming into his own and like is great too, but you know, Trey Jackson also provides shooting and gives them a breather and is more ball handling too. It's like when we face these good ass, like pressured, like the Texas tech one's a great example. No one can dribble against Texas tech besides Tyrese. And even then it's like, it's hard for him because they know that. And they're like, okay, this man's going to drive. We're going to immediately sink on him and they can't shoot. So like, it's just, it was not fun for him, but yeah, I don't know. Your guess is kind of as good as ours. You know, this is just like Twitter things that we pick up. So I I think Jaden Walker was showing a lot on the defensive end too. And I disagree with this Uh, to your point, Tim, we're not in the, we're not in practice every day. The coaches have been making great decisions. So there's probably a reason for it, but I think that they just kind of love, um, you know, the defensive battle. And even though Tristan kind of brought a little bit more of an offensive element to the game, I mean, Newt, you talked about how we're expecting Condit to be more of like a ball handler and that's just not entirely his style. I think Tristan's a little bit better at that. And oh yeah, I, I don't know. And, and Trey Jackson, he was never terrible defensively. I think, um, he maybe struggled sometimes to keep up with people, but he gave a lot of great effort and he could stick with most people. So I don't know what happened with um, Tristan or Trey. I think Jaden Walker maybe just showed a little bit more on the defensive end. He's a little bit more athletically built, but I don't think that necessarily correlates with, um, you know, putting up points. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I've had a hard time dealing with it, especially because I like Trey Jackson as a team leader too. It might be just that he can, play with Tyrese a little bit more and they're not giving up size and rebounding that, that, that'd probably be my only guess is that as Tyrese has like shown that he can handle running the offense and like playing like, cause Tyrese gets by far, like by the second most minutes on our team, you know, Brockington gets like a, a three minute rest. That's about it. And then Tyrese probably gets to rest for about like six minutes during the game. And they're just like, you know, I don't know deciding that, you know, like you said, Jane Walker's defense and maybe length is a little bit more important. And the fact that just Trey Jackson probably can't share the court when Tyrese is on there because of that, like it would just, we, you know, you then have Brockington run the three and and that's kind of, you're playing small then. So I don't know. I respect what Otzelberger's doing. You know, if I'm sure he's got good reasons to do it and you got to remind yourself, it is Otzelberger's first year as a head coach at Iowa state. And if he's trying to build a culture around defense and he's got these certain things that have got to be hallmarks of an Otzelberger team and he is serious about it and they got certain guys on the team that aren't hitting those marks and he says, okay, well then you're not playing and he sticks to it. Then I think ultimately down the road, that's going to pay dividends for Iowa state down the road. And it's a coach that sticks to his guns because ultimately those are the coaches that make it long-term instead of, you know, making exceptions for certain guys at certain times. That's how you lose the credibility within the, within the locker room because players will never forget that if a coach says one thing and then three weeks later goes back on that thing that he said. So I respect Otzelberger for sticking with his guns, but as a fan, sometimes it's hard to understand that. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. I think that's something that Campbell had to do with the football program too, where it's just like, he's like implementing a culture. It's he's trying to be revolutionary. He's trying to do it his way or the highway. And he's not going to, you know, chase short-term success that could potentially screw over long-term success or this long-term like foundation that they want to implement. Yeah. I I will say this though. It's a little bit different with basketball with the one and done deal because 
right now players are getting so impatient with the transfer portal. They're just going to get out of there. I think as to some extent, you have to be okay with temporary excess, excuse me, success and not necessarily. I, I hate to say don't establish a foundation for the long term, but that's kind of the reality with college basketball that we're seeing. I think you have to adjust. You have to be more, sh- you know, short-term minded in regards to your play style. But I, as far as a first year coach, trying to establish an identity with the team. You can tell his identity is defense. Like we get it. It's a new era in Iowa state basketball. It's hard for us to grasp, but it's proven to win. So we have to get on board with it. So I think there has to be somewhat of a medium there, especially when you're trying to attract talent. Uh, You know, we used to be like transfer you, you know, Royce white, like all these guys came to Iowa state because they saw it as a second chance for them to really show, Hey, I can go to the NBA after one year with Iowa state. And that was when it was a little bit more electric. I don't know if it's as sustainable as maybe long-term success in establishing that culture and that identity, but it does scare me. Cause I think you have to kind of be a middleman in, in some way there. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I, I don't know the necessarily the answer. I think that it's a fluid landscape in college basketball right now, but when you look at the other side of the state with Iowa right now, right. Iowa has been able to create long-term success with guys. I mean, they got Luca Garza, Keegan Murray, all these guys. Like last year, they had 12 starters on the team. You know, everybody makes this big deal out about, oh, look at how Iowa has been able to reload after losing. It's like, well, they had way too many guys last year, right? And all of those guys stuck around. And so they, I mean, even this year, they got they go nine, 10 deep. They played 11 guys against Purdue yesterday. And so they've been able to do it. And and I think as an Iowa State fan, sometimes it it cuts a little bit deep when a lot of those guys are like in-state kids or guys that Iowa State didn't even recruit. I think the in-state thing is the most overblown thing in the world. I don't give a shit if someone's from Iowa and comes and plays here. It's like, just get me the best talent. I I, I, I get it a bit, but it's just like, it, it feels so like, like I've seen that just like argued or they're like, well, Iowa State's not in state. Like kids are like, can't get them. It's like, yeah, but like, does that really matter at the end of the day? You know, like it's not like Iowa's this hotbed of talent. It's, you know, it's like, it's, it'd be different if we're in like Texas or Florida or California and we're not able to get like good recruits there or whatever. But it's like, I don't know. It, it's not like everyone's dying to get the top recruits out of, out of Iowa year in and year out for some, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but it does hurt when Iowa state isn't getting good talent out of Iowa state and, and Iowa state is an afterthought for the best talent here. And so you got, you know, just the, the Murray brothers, the Bohannons, the, you know, guy after guy, Wieskamp, you know, those are, those are NBA guys with the exception of Bohannon that aren't even looking at Iowa state. You know what I mean? And I mean, through the years, you had Harrison Barnes, Kirk Heinrich, Nick Collison, Kyle Korver. Like, did you not want any of those guys? Like, you know, Doug McDermott, another guy. Now, there's exceptions to some of these, but if you have great talent in the state, Iowa State should be in the mix for them. They were with Xavier Foster. That didn't work out. That's why I'm excited about Tame and Lipsy, too. Now, do you want to build your program off of these type of guys? No. But if you have three, four, five-star talent in the state of Iowa and they're not even sniffing Iowa State and you have a guy like Peyton Sanford who's you know putting up 10 points in the Big Ten championship game that Iowa State wasn't even in the mix on and he's a true freshman and he would be the best shooter at Iowa State right now, that's a problem. 
Now, if we can fill that pipeline up with Milwaukee guys and Otzelberger's got a great pipeline out of Wisconsin, I'm all for it. But when, when we're just not even on the same level and not even in the conversation with guys that we should be, I think that's an issue. And it speaks to the overall brand of Iowa state and the marketability of Iowa state basketball. If we got guys 40 miles away from Hilton that aren't even looking at Hilton as a potential option to play. Yeah. I think, and I think very fair. I agree. And I I think it's rebuilding back the program. Like what was like, you're an in-state kid and you're looking at this team that just won two games last year. You're not going to consider that with a new coach, like, and what kind of like the, the fall off from what Hoiberg built up a little bit. Um, You know, we're finally seeing it with Campbell where like this established like year in and year out, like um, you know, it's like good on-field results. The, like the good in-state, like three stars, like that kind of stuff. Are, are strongly considering Iowa State, whereas like you could shoe in so many of those guys to go to Iowa or elsewhere. And I think it, it just kind of takes that time and that establishment, especially for some of the in-state stuff. Cause like, I don't want to go to a pro, like let's say have like family ties or something like that. Like for the most part, like the state's a little bit more Hawkeye leaning. And then, you, you know, it's like, if the program's also in disarray of, of you missed the tournament two years in a row and you just had historically one of the worst seasons ever and you have a new coach, then you're probably not going to be in the conversation for most of the top talent here. Um, just like in, in the short term. So. Yeah. Like Kansas I, I think, is still getting every best player that come out of Kansas. Right. And I, I, you'd like for Iowa state to be the same way. Now, Kansas isn't just recruiting Kansas kids, but every good kid coming out of Wichita, it, the best are going to KU. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, I agree with new in the sense that I do think it's overrated winning the in-state, you know, recruiting battle, but to your point, it is, a, is very valid. Like you have to establish yourself as at least competitive with in-state recruiting in order to establish that kind of like we talked about earlier, that identity of Iowa state football, like that, you know, like, Hey, we want people to come play for us, whether you're an in-state person or wherever the hell else you're from. And I mean, to your point, Tame and Lipsy, I'm so pumped about him. Like, I don't know if I've ever been as pumped about a recruit, but at the same point, he is an Ames kid. You know, it, it's much easier for him to make the decision to go to Iowa State than Iowa City. You know, Xavier like Foster was an impressive recruit. Yeah. And there you go. We didn't get you know, him. another guy that we so, missed out on. Exactly. So I, I do think, you know, it is very important. Um, and also, I, dude, I'm a bragging rights guy. Like, I have no problem admitting that. Like, when, Z- when Xavier Foster came to Iowa State, do you know how fun Twitter was for the next 24 hours? Like, that's just fun, you know? Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, this is a fan argument. I, coaches will roll their eyes at it. I get it. But we have to live in this state, and we do want the bragging rights from it. Now, to that point, it'd be really fun, and I'm a UNI grad, but, like, A.J. Green, come on board. I, I, I am – I'm – pushing for that one come he, on board uh, for that he went to my little brother's high school so like i've i've paid attention to his career so much and he's really good obviously um and it's like dad's on the on the coaching staff he can transfer without any penalty here iowa state's gonna need to reload we'll build that offense right around you man like yeah yeah I you're think tyrese he'd be the perfect plug and play guy for that fifth oh. year i don't think i mean he had a good year this year as valley player of the year but he just still seems like he's coming back from those hip surgeries just a little bit and his NBA potential, as opposed to when he was a sophomore, I think it was like, Hey, this guy could potentially leave early. Now it's like, I don't know if he would even get drafted. 
And I think he probably wants to NIL stuff, play for dad one more year, come to the big 12, that kind of thing, because it does sting as an Iowa guy to look at Iowa's roster. And I know there's reasons for this, but Jordan Bohannon, Patrick McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, Chris Murray, Keegan Murray, those are all in-state guys. Peyton Sanford, that's a starting six right there of Iowa guys. And like to that bragging rights conversation, it's just an uphill battle when we're having to fight with Hawkeye fans on Twitter. Yeah, and they've had other great, like, you know, Peter Jock, uh, Utah, Josh Oglesby, not that great, but, you know, it, it is definitely something that I was usually a little bit more more consistent with. And, and I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, 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 like I said, it, it'd be nice. It's huh? not going to solve Iowa State's basketball problems, but, you know, it, it when there are good recruits out of the state, I'd, I want them to go to Iowa State, not Iowa. And I, I think it made it hard, too, of, like, being so, you know, like Hoiberg, obviously Iowa person, like most of his recruiting or like, you know, he has a big say in the state. And then you go to Prome, who's Southern, like all of his recruiting ties are in the South and he had to come in and like the expectation was to kind of win now. And he focused on like where his recruiters had, you know, ties and where he felt comfortable recruiting. And we picked up some more people from, from the South. And, and that's where that focus like shifts a little bit. Um, and I, like now Ott's being back and, you know, previously being on some older Iowa state staffs and having more ties to the area could also help sort of generate that again. But, you know, it's just also where the coaching staff wants to focus and allocate resources. Right. And, you know, Otzelberger is a great recruiter. Just keep doing what you're doing, TJ. You're doing a good job. If you get every good kid out of Milwaukee, I think we're going to be just fine. Yes. Yeah. I'll happily take Milwaukee. So. <laughs> Okay. Well, I do want to circle this back to the LSU conversation. So Friday night, taking on LSU in Milwaukee, Otz is coming back home. So that's pretty cool. I also think um, at first I was pretty pumped about it because I think Milwaukee is a very attainable distance for most Iowa State fans. Um, But then we play LSU and LSU is probably, if not the best fan base when it comes to traveling. So I think between LSU and ISU, Milwaukee's just probably going to burn to the ground come Saturday. And Wisconsin's but, there too. Yeah, and like, Wisconsin's there. And I mean, if if we do somehow get to the round of 32, we'd likely play them. And that would be that would be an uphill battle to play them against Milwaukee. But um, how are we feeling about LSU? Number five ranked defense in the country. Offense has some holes. They are playing with a new coach, Kevin Nickelberry. We can't lose to a guy named Nickelberry, right? Just it's not good for the brand. I think the biggest question is how many of these guys, they get connected to LSU through Will Wade and all the shady underbelly of college basketball stuff with the shoe deals and the AAU coaches and stuff. And Will Wade was has been the king of that. Like, I'm surprised that this is the thing that got him fired because this stuff's been out there forever now about this guy. And so when this happens and Will Wade is no longer in this seat, how many of these players immediately are texting their AU coach, their connector, however they got to LSU into Will Wade to find them their next home, right? Or if it's their agent that they're going to be working with to enter the NBA draft. So they're, has got to be so many distractions that are going on behind the scenes for every one of these LSU guys to figure out where they're going to be playing next year. Now that Will Wade's not in the house. And I think that's the biggest benefit Iowa state's going to have second biggest is you're right. 
Wisconsin, Milwaukee, this place can be full of red, whether it's from Wisconsin or from Iowa State. So it's going to look like a home game for the Iowa State crowd. I think everybody's still chomping at the bit, wanting more basketball after the letdown in, in Kansas City. So I would anticipate a huge influx of Iowa State fans coming in Milwaukee, and it's going to be the fans trying to get Iowa State over that, that hump that we're at right now. So how do I feel about it? I feel like it's going to be a rowdy Friday night and Iowa State's going to come out hot. That's how I feel. I want to say the other thing with LSU, because you brought up a great point, is their assistant head coach is also let go. And I feel like that's the only other thing where it's like, if they rally around like the, the, you know, the next guy in line, or he's like a big part of it, he's gone too. So they are literally on number three in charge who probably is, you know, like, like the fuck, like what am I supposed to do? I was not expecting this this weekend um, type deal. And, and I, yeah, I, um, I think those elements are, are huge. And, and I, you know, I don't know in Milwaukee is fantastic. Like being able to travel easily. Like I was, you know, I was like Friday, I could, I could fly back like that kind of stuff, like be fun. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, um, the only thing that worries me is obviously LSU plays phenomenal defense. They're up there with their tech level defense. Um, they play with a little bit slower tempo, like they're faster than us, which that's not hard to do, but um, it's, it's going to be one of those games that, you know, we're going to, both teams are going to be working for their buckets and we, we've won those. We've also looked really bad in those too. Um, and so I, I'm a little skeptical, but I, I do you know, like I said, at the very start of this, I, I don't think I could have asked for a better draw going into this. I was like, one, I don't want to be an eight or nine seed because I don't want to deal with the ones this year. Um, if there's just always too much of a difference between where the elites are in college basketball and, and getting stuck with the one seed compared to twos. And we somehow got lucky. It got an 11 seed and we get to go the six, three route instead of even like a, a 10 seed seven or seven, two route. So, um, and then you get a, a program that, is probably in the most disarray of, of any heading into the tournament, losing their coach. So, so yeah, I mean, if, if circ- like we're for once, Iowa state's getting circumstances like to go for them, you know, it's like, Hey, heading into the tournament, we've, we've normally not had that. It's um, been like, Oh yeah. George Yang screwed his ankle in, in the middle of it, that kind of stuff. So hopefully it can uh, spark this team and, and they can kind of, you know, not playing a big 12 team would be nice too. I I honestly think that's going to be a great element. It's just like literally not playing a team that you've already at least played once and having a little bit of rest. So we'll see how, how much, you know, you, this LSU team, you know, they're, they're going to have, everybody's counting us out. We're the underdogs now. Like they're going to have all of that going for them, which is going to make it even more important for Iowa state to like get off to a good start. Cause as soon as that happens and these guys are like, literally thinking, where am I playing next year while they're on the court of that game? Cause there's going to be a lot of that going on. The LSU roster is going to completely turn over from this year to next. And if we can get up by 10 points or whatever, and the Iowa state crowd is all behind them, the LSU guys are really just going to check out of the game. And you know, the compliance director that is now the head coach of this team, these guys are going to be like, screw this guy. Uh, I got to take care of me. Right. And that's what we want them. That's what we want them thinking. But as if they get off to a good start and they're the underdogs and everybody's counting us out, nobody believes in all the haters and blah, 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 you know, then it, the same could potentially happen to us where it gets into that slowed down type game against another good defensive team. Cause really, the more you dig into 
LSU, it, New, you touched on it. It's not a, a perfect basketball matchup for this, but I do like the circumstances around it. I, I think we've pinpointed the two things that really concern me. Getting off to a hot start, which is one thing that we have not done even remotely well the past two matchups against Tech and Baylor. And then the turnover battle. You know, they play phenomenal defense. We've also talked about this. Who can handle the ball aside from Tyrese? No one. I do not want to see a single person touching the ball when we're bringing the ball up the court. Hand it to Tyrese every single time, if not maybe mixed up with Isaiah Brockington a little bit here and there. But if we lose that turnover battle, all it, all they have to do is just capitalize on those turnovers. And that's, to me, that's an easy W for LSU. Um, and I, I just, I hate going up against a defensive team because I think that's really where we can find ourselves struggling. Uh, and I haven't seen much of LSU. I think I've seen them play three times all year. I've noticed that they do press a good amount and that, that really scares me. So if they, if they win the turnover battle, I think they have a really good chance at winning. And also, uh, I mean, can we get off to a hot start? I hope so, but I haven't, I'm not bought into it quite yet. We are so bad at handling the press too. And it's like when teams run the the three quarter press, that's not even like high pressure really. And I'm just like, always just like clenched and like, come on guys. Like, this is not that hard. Like you guys, you guys have been running this against us since AAU. Like just, you know, where not to go. At some point, literally just chuck the ball down the court and hope that someone grabs it so we can get past half court. That's how it feels sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. This has not been the most fun Iowa State team to watch throughout the year. All we're looking for is just get hot at the right time. Let's make let's make the NCAA tournament fun. And it is kind of fun to be on the other side of it now where we don't have all of the expectations. Because Iowa State fans, we've been burned so many times through the years, whether it's football or basketball. It's fun to just be on the other side of it where even if we win the first round game or we're against uh, Wisconsin, who shared the regular season title, nobody's going to expect Iowa State to win that game. So it will be fun to just be in that underdog role. We have nothing to lose. Nobody expected us to win 20 games, all of those things. And so we're we're on borrowed time right now, and that's just fine with where I'm at. Yeah, we're playing with house money. Um, you know, any of us, like, like we said the entire year, you would have told me in November that we were in the tournament. I would have been like, no way, buddy. Like, so it, it is like, you do have to have that perspective, but it's also like expectations change too. This team was ranked eighth at one point, you know, like that, that's, that's the other thing where it's like, we've seen this team like before entering the big 12, like they smoked Iowa. They smoked, that game wasn't even close. Um, like, and they've, they've given great efforts to Baylor and Kansas twice now. Um, it's just stuff like that, where it's like, we've seen them play at a very high level and like really grind out teams, but we've also just seen some putrid ass like performances that you just, it's really, it's been an absolute roller coaster that at this point, it's like, you just can't have expectations. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I, I give a lot of the credit on the the kind of roller coaster of a year goes to scouting reports though. Like when teams can lock in and know how to defend and how to counteract a lot of what you're doing, then you have to make the adjustments. And it goes back to this roster, just frankly, is not that good. It's not, it was never the eighth best team in the country. It was just, hey, they're athletic enough. And if they're playing well, they can beat everybody. But it, it's not all of that difficult to take away our best options. 
and we don't have a, a deep enough roster or deep enough array of tools to counteract when teams really can, can defend us the way that we can be defended. So even though it has been a roller coaster year, I think we just came back down to reality. Back to your point, Newt, we regressed back to the mean, right? And, yeah. and, and Iowa State fans, we just we spent a lot of the year back up here expecting that this was the mean when reality, we, were, we weren't as good as we thought we were. I yeah, I, that's definitely fair. That Iowa State, you know, their path to the Sweet 16 is pretty awesome. And I make the mistake every single episode where I get ahead of myself and I'm either overlooking a game and I'm, I'm, you know, focused on week two. I always do that, but I'm also not a player. So I feel like I can't do that. If we, you know, find a way to beat LSU, I love facing number three, Wisconsin. I don't like that. It's in Milwaukee. I don't like that, but I thought that they were the most beatable three seed. And I think that we could face a good matchup against them. And this is me getting extra ahead of myself, extra ahead of myself. I think Auburn is the worst two seed. I don't know. It is not impossible for us to find ourselves in the elite eight. I can't see a final four <laughs> appearance by any means, but I think, I think Auburn is the most beatable two seed for us. And I also think Wisconsin is easily the most beatable three seed. So I'm just saying, I love getting my freaking hopes up in order for them to just be completely demolished. I'm over here talking about an elite eight appearance when we're in the round of 64. So that's how I, that's how and I roll. We barely didn't get a, a buy. Like we, like, <laughs> Another another crap team like wins their conference tournament and, and messes up the bubble. We were probably playing in Dayton, so um, yeah, we were this close to lose to going undefeated in non conference play and somehow not making the NCAA tournament. That's that was Iowa State basketball this year. Mason, I love the optimism. I really do. I I do not share you. your same optimism. When I look at like every matchup good. from a basketball side of things. I think, oh, that doesn't look good for Iowa State. Oh, oh boy, that doesn't look good for Iowa State. But going back to my original point, when we're playing non-Big 12 competition that has not seen us a couple of times already this year, I think it's a really a different ball game. And so it takes me back to the optimism that we saw in the non-conference season, and that's just where I'm going to live the next couple of weeks with Iowa State basketball. So I'm going to trick myself we just got to get hot at the right time and we got to get a little bit lucky. And the kind of key is too, is obviously that, that second round game. If we get there, they, they get one day of scouting slash rest to prep for that game. Like that, that's a, that's a big help, you know? Um, and obviously they're, they're going to look ahead to like the six and the 11 potentially now, especially if you're like Wisconsin, you're playing a 14, but they also lost their best player. He's hurt. Johnny Davis is out. Like, is he out for the first round? I, I, I'm pretty sure he's uh, like, like they're not optimistic on him being able to play in the tournament. So it's, it's not looking good for him at all. If yeah. he's out, that's a, I mean, that's huge. That guy was, you know, in the year for, or in the running for conference player of the year. So that changes things with Wisconsin because it looks more like a traditional Wisconsin team without Johnny Davis on it. Um, should we give final predictions for the LSU game? I will say LSU is a four point favorite. Over under is 127.5. That's that's the easiest money I'll make all weekend. Hammer the under on that for me. <laughs> but do you guys have score predictions? <sighs> I, I think Iowa State's gonna pull it out barely, but it'll be like 62 to 58. 
Wow. It has to be close. I was going to say 56 or like maybe ambitious of you to think it. that we're going to score 60 points. It'll I, be ugly. It won't be a pretty 60. I was going to say 59, 57 clones. Neither no, team say 56, 52. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's 56, 52 clones. Uh, I don't know. I, I might, I might make a lot of money this week and parlay. Um, Iowa state plus four with an under, Oh, I'm feeling good. I always going to walk out of this week in a millionaire. It's my least favorite event. I, Cause I love betting it, but I, I have like by far the worst hit rate of like any playoffs or sports. Thing. I do really well in the NFL, actually like the super bowl. I clean up on, I, I like, I usually do pretty well there and NBA basketball towards in, but March madness. I am just like giving money to Vegas. It's so bad. Can't you guys kind of see Brockington like going for 38 and being, you know, like the story of the weekend, that kind of thing. I just, you get, sometimes that guy gets on a roll and starts hitting like 17 footers that you've just like, how is this guy making these shots? And I can kind of see the NCAA tournament bringing that out in Brockington. So, you know, best Mm -hmm. case scenario, Brockington puts up like 24 in the first half and you know we're we're all driving to Milwaukee by Saturday morning. No, I agree. I think he thrives in these moments. Um, I, I I hate to you know bring up the past four games, but he really hasn't been the Isaiah Brockington that we've seen in most of the year. The past I think is three or four games, and I don't think that's going to persist unless they scout him really well and quite literally just like box and one him, which no one's going to do, but. I could see him just feasting and he's really just got to get hot in that first 10 minutes of the game. And once he, once he starts knocking down a few of those mid rangers, you know, right in the first, like I said, 10 minutes, it's almost unstoppable. It's, it's like a Mamba like mentality. The dude also jumps like a hundred feet in the air. It's so hard to contest his shots. So, you know, as long as he's got the ball in his hand, as long as he's feeling hot is really hard to guard him. And I think, that's that's going to be our our way we're going to win. I think he's going to will us to a win against LSU. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just I think he got to get the ball in Tyrese's hands and then yeah, do some off ball movement with Isaiah Brockington and yeah, score fifty six points and beat him fifty six fifty two. Yeah, one thing's for sure that if you haven't played against Brockington before, you're definitely not getting giving him enough credit for how athletic he is because he is an unreal athlete, the way that he jumps, the way that he moves, how hard he plays. I think it's shocking to guys that have played against him for the first time because I've never seen a guard rebound like he rebounds. And that's one of the benefits of somebody that hasn't played us before, because there's going to be a moment where somebody that's guarding him against LSU thought, Oh my God, I, I didn't know that this guy had like an NBA type level of athleticism here. It's just even the fact that, like, Mason, you said um, it's hard to contest a shot. It's not hard to contest a shot. It's that it doesn't matter if you contest a shot. There's so many times that he rises up. There is a hand right there with him, and it's still just a perfect shot. And, like, you know it's coming, and he does not care, and he still just gets it off. And it's, like, it would have to be so frustrating, like, trying to play defense on him because you'd just be like, I, I did what I'm supposed to do, and it's still going in. Like, what else do you want me to do here? And he's he's sort of mastered that, and it is due to like his athleticism and and like all this kind of stuff. But it's it's been beautiful to watch. He's, you know, we've said it the entire like podcast, but it's like 
we think he's been one of the most impressive players to go through Iowa state just because of how much he's had to carry this offensive load this year. Like he hasn't had the, the benefits and the sort of like privilege that other great Iowa state players have had, like, you know, Monte Morris, George Yang, these guys where it's like, Oh, like I'm George Yang and I can pass out to, to Naslong, Matt Thomas, or like Deandre Kane and stuff like that. Like, or Deontay Burden, like he's, he's really playing with, you know, Tyrese Hunter's a little bit hit or miss here and there. But other than that, it's like, you don't know if anyone else is going to get more than six points going into the game. Next year's backcourt, Hunter, Brockington, AJ Green. Oh, yeah. If Brockington comes back, but which he could. He could should. His, his He's not going to go to the NBA. Like, it's like do you like want to play in go. the G League or do you want to play in the Big 12? But do you think his draft stock is ever going to be higher than it is right now? Uh, what I don't think he'll get drafted. I will make a great oh, career in Europe. I do not. I think no. you get gr- drafted. I, I mean, if you want to make, if you, if you want to put another bet down in March, I'd be happy to take that <laughs> bet. <laughs> NBA guys, if you're Isaiah Brockington, you got to shoot forty. Per, you got to shoot thirty-seven to forty percent from three point. I just don't see him as being that guy in the NBA. I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, prove me wrong, I guess, but. He's also 22 already. Like that that's the other thing. It's like he's not young. True. You know. Like, yeah. I think, I think he's a guy that averages 18 a game in the G League next year. He's going to have no issue like getting buckets at the next level. It's just the next level is probably not going to be the NBA, yeah. Like but. yeah. Not directly to the NBA, but I I don't know. I still think you'll get drafted. Um however, Good matchup against LSU this Friday. I do want to talk a little bit of baseball just because this is, you know, my, there's probably three times a year where I try and follow baseball. And this is one of those times. So like I am in second grade, someone explain to me what's happening in the MLB right now. Well, like you're in second grade, we're back. <laughs> baseball is starting. You know, if, if you're in second grade, you don't care about the lockout. You don't care about the greedy owners. You don't care about the, the young player pool and all this stuff. So let's just ignore all of that stuff. All we need to talk about right now is baseball is back. The best thing that's happened with baseball in the last week, obviously the labor negotiation, we finally got a deal in place and it's finally made the baseball free agency offseason interesting. Because in years past, unlike football and basketball, that the free agency sometimes is more fun than the actual season at times. Baseball has always been a really boring free agent season. Now it's all being condensed into like a two week period that's happening right now. And it's made the off season a lot of fun. So like I was up till 11 o'clock last night, the twins and the Yankees just did a deal. There's all this payroll moving around. So it's really fun right now. Uh, with baseball, it's, you know, the whole thing's a shame with the the way the lockout is baseball continues to shoot itself in the foot with, with greed and with the owners, not really understanding where they sit in the current sports landscape. But if you're a baseball fan, I think you're just sick and tired of talking about that stuff. And you're just glad that spring training started today. Baseball is back and we're going to have 162 games throughout the course of the next seven months. I give you a take that I, I don't know if it's accurate at all, but this is just what I'm seeing as an outsider who's trying to get into baseball, but admittedly is having a really hard time doing it. I don't think they market their players near as well as the NBA, the NFL. Like 
I really only see Bryce Harper. That's the only player I ever see marketed. I know Shohei Otani is a complete stud. However, I don't really see him advertised that much. And I mean, these, you know, bigger leagues, hi, Ralph. You know, Ralph makes at least a couple appearances per episode. These bigger leagues, the NFL, the NBA, you know, they've, le- they've leaned into Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, everyone. And I feel like MLB, I just don't see that. Like Shohei Otani, I mean, I've, I've just been hearing through the internet, but whenever I see advertisements on the TV, I never see them showcasing one singular player that's not named Bryce Harper. Yeah, it's been a big issue through the years, and and I think I baseball has done a better job of it here in recent years. The big thing has been, from a social media standpoint, like you see these NBA guys have just owned Instagram, right, through for the last five years or whatever. And, and that's become like its own thing is the NBA, this league stuff. Baseball finally has opened up the social media game. And what I mean by that is it started to market their stars better on social media and promote them. The other thing is that highlights in baseball were never available to be posted onto social media because MLB owned all of that content and they would rather take a short term look at that and own it all themselves instead of making it free for the masses to be shared on social media. That's one thing the NBA leaned into really early on. And you see with House of Highlights and all these other sites or accounts, now baseball is finally getting to that. So what I see now that's really healthy for the game is that college baseball has never been more popular from a from a social media standpoint right now. And I'm not sure the accounts that you follow, but there are so many fun college baseball, Twitter and Instagram accounts right now that have really elevated the prestige of college baseball to a level that I have not seen during my lifetime. And I think the marketability of that sport college baseball is at an all-time high right now, which makes it even more glaring that Iowa State doesn't have a college baseball team because I, th- I think it's really, really raising the prestige and the notoriety and the branding of some major universities out there. Like if you're looking at Texas and Virginia, these guys from a, from a branding standpoint are just killing it on the social media game as it relates to their college baseball. Texas a couple weeks ago played in front of 40,000 fans for a college baseball game. That's just unheard of, right? They sold out a weekend series at Globe Life Park down in Texas for Texas A&M, Texas, and Baylor. And that's just, it's a different world than what we're experiencing here in, in, um, in, in Iowa. And I think it, it, it really is being exposed for Iowa State as a university as we're bringing more baseball schools into the conference. Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, Houston. Go look at their baseball stadiums. They are better baseball stadiums than Principal Park, the AAA I-Cubs here in Des Moines. And for Iowa State to not even have a program is being left behind. In a, they're missing out on a huge revenue opportunity there. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like as a Iowa State fan living in Omaha, it's the most infuriating thing to see all the national recognition these programs are getting, you know, just from the College World Series. And to see that, I I guess I don't know exactly how tough it would be to start up a program. I, I don't know the logistics of that, but it's really infuriating to know that it's football, basketball, and baseball has got to be third when it comes to America's most watched sports, I would imagine. And the fact that we don't have anything to show for it I mean, you're exactly right. It feels like we're missing out on a lot of money, even if we're not good for the first many years, which if it ever comes to fruition, we probably wouldn't be, but it's still something that's coming into the athletic department every year. Iowa State has been to more College World Series than Iowa, and we haven't had a program in 23 years. 
right? There was a time when Iowa State had a really, really strong, healthy baseball program. Even when it closed down, they were good. And today with the prominence of college baseball continuing to rise and NCAA continuing to invest in it because the college world series is a big moneymaker for the NCAA, as opposed to like NCAA doesn't make as much money on March madness. The TV partners do, but not the NCAA. Same thing with the bowls. They make a ton of money off of college, uh, the college world series. Could you imagine being in Ames right now? It's 65 degrees in Ames. We're just coming back from the Big 12 tournament. It's spring break, and you come back to campus for the last month and a half of school, and there's a field on campus. They need to put $10 million into Cap Tim to get it up to speed, and you have a party deck that can fit 1,500 people out in the outfield that's selling beer, dollar beer nights on a Friday night, how much fun and how much life that would bring to campus, and it's just a huge missed opportunity right now, especially since alcohol is now permitted at college athletics, the field at Iowa state, they have the footprint for it. They'd have to pump a lot of money, but raising money has never been an issue for Jamie Pollard. And I think it's just, I think it's a massive opportunity, especially when you have all of these other big 12 schools that are dominating the college baseball scene and Iowa state's being left behind. Nobody cares about wrestling except for Iowa state fans. And I'm not advocating for canceling the wrestling program, but college wrestling, there's like a hundred total teams in division one college baseball. There's like 350 total teams. We are, it's just ridiculous. And I just think like the local economy in Ames, it's, it's such a college town. Like it is so reliant on the university of Iowa state, Iowa state university. And if you're ever in Ames in the summer, it is a ghost town. Like just having something, something to do in the summer in Ames would just really help. Like, like I said, just the local economy, let alone the university alone. So it's just, it's, it's kind of frustrating to watch. And also as a guy who wants to be more into baseball, but just isn't, it creates a lot more apathy toward the sport itself, you know? Yeah. I, I just, it, it's one of those points that I'll just never give up on because when you go to these other big 12 schools, part of that recruiting trip is taking them through all of the facilities that the athletics department has. And for a lot of big 12 schools, the baseball stadiums will drop your jaws when you see them. And for Iowa state to not even have one, it's, it's really, really embarrassing. Like even you go over to Nebraska, see their baseball stadium. It's unbelievable. It's really, really nice. And for Rick Heller over at Iowa to do what he's done over the last eight years proves that you can have a team on the national stage at a Northern school, like, like Iowa, where they've been ranked in the top 25. They had, I mean, Brody Brecht, who's on the football and baseball team throws hundred miles an hour on the baseball team, turned down over a million dollars to go play baseball at Iowa. Right? So this is a sport. There's money in the game. Um, it, there's huge opportunity and we're just missing out, especially with, there's a lot of really good baseball talent in central Iowa that is, that is turning, that is going, that's leaving the state. And it's, it's, it's sad for the state of Iowa. I, I said it on the last time I did a podcast with you guys, but my, one of the wishes that I had was Jamie. I wish Jamie Pollard's kids played baseball instead of ran track, because as soon as Pollard's kids were of age, $15 million went into that track program. And sure enough, we got a good distance program. We've got a good cross country team at Iowa state. And you know what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares at all. And it brings this amount of money into the university and nobody gives a crap. I mean, speaking on the standpoint of nobody cares, 
This is the first time I'm hearing of that. I had no idea we invest that much into our cross country program. We've invested $14 million into a new track and cross country facilities at Iowa State as soon as Thomas Pollard hit, hit recruiting age. By the way, Thomas Pollard follows us. So hi, Thomas, if you're listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> Got nothing against Thomas Pollard, but I'm just saying, I bet if, if Thomas Pollard was a hot, as good of a baseball player as he was a track runner, that there would have been more emphasis around baseball. And, it, you know, I, Pollard's done a great, a lot of great things at Iowa State. This is my one critique of him because I'm a baseball fanatic. But I just wish that there was more emphasis around that. But, you know, his roots come from Wisconsin, too. Wisconsin doesn't have a baseball program either. So I don't think he really fully grasped the importance that a baseball program can bring to a university. Do you think, like, Title IX has anything to do with it since baseball can be kind of a large scholarship and, like, men's only? You know, we obviously have softball, but then you have to balance that out and, and kind of dealing with the revenue the conference that we play in and the travel and the expenses that come with having to go down to, to Texas and a lot of places that aren't as close to us compared to if we were in like the big tenor or yeah, something like that, that, that could be factors as well. Yeah. I mean, title nine was the reason that Iowa state doesn't have a baseball program anymore. I think with there's more money than ever in college athletics now. So there's, there's money for it if you want to do it, but yeah, that's a big issue. But I, if you look at like what Iowa is doing right now, Iowa has turned it into a, a big draw. Now, Iowa, they've gone to Florida, they've gone to Texas, and they've gone to California the last three weekends, right? The Iowa baseball team. And they're staying the entire week in California this week with the entire team out there. So there's ways to make this work. A lot of it would have to be done on a private level. But if you get the right donor base around it, anything can happen. I mean, did we think we had enough money for the Suka Bunjong Lounge? Well, when Paul Rhodes was the coach, no, but when you have a winning programs and when an athletic department makes a commitment to something, I think things can think can happen. If you get the right donor base around it, you can make it happen. I think, um, Campbell wants Matt Campbell will probably get at Iowa state. So yeah, we need Matt Campbell to be, uh, <laughs> for his kids to be baseball players, right? Maybe. Yes. That's the thing. Yeah. I'll start giving Campbell really jealous pitching lessons. <laughs> Next time you see Campbell say, uh, Hey, uh, outside the lines, I'm sure you've heard of them quite a bit, you know, go on their podcast. If you get Matt Campbell on our podcast, I'll pay you money. How does that sound? <laughs> uh, it's a good deal. What's, what's my rate? I can do a hundred, but nothing more, not a dime more. <laughs> uh-huh. And Newt will pay 50 of that. I can help it. I'll match. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I don't mean to rip on Pollard, and that's just my one critique. I think Iowa State's missing out on a baseball program. But Jamie, Thomas, if you guys are listening, you know, big supporters of all that you guys have done. They've raised, they've raised the bar at Iowa State for sure. And Pollard's made so many good hires through the years. I just think the one thing that we're missing is that baseball program, especially when the Big Twelve is an extremely strong baseball conference. Just do me a favor. Look at, spend some time, look at Cincinnati's baseball park, look at BYU's baseball park, look at Houston's baseball park, and tell me Iowa State's not missing the boat. I mean, look at Oklahoma State. I mean, it's, it's crazy what they're doing down there. Oklahoma, I mean, it's, every one of those spots has an amazing baseball presence, and they sell out every Friday, Saturday night, 
it creates an environment. They're selling beer at those games. It's, it's fun. Even Kansas state, man, Kansas state almost went to the college world series five years ago. And you know, it, I don't know. It's I'm done. I'm done. If KSA can do it, we can do it. It's no that kidding. simple. <laughs> That's no. all he should see. Be like, Oh wait, K state's in on this shit. <laughs> we can do it better than that. Baseball <laughs> yeah. Also, Pollard, if you are listening, which I'm sure you are, this was Tim's idea. I support you wholeheartedly. I think you're doing the best job and you haven't made a single mistake yet. Come on the I'm, podcast. Yeah, I'm on also a crusade. Iowa State I'm on a crusade to bring this back. <laughs> I love it. I'm on board. I am. Well, and the other part of it is what are intercollegiate athletics if it's just all about money, right? I mean, at one point, do we just say like, you need to be providing opportunities to students. And if the only opportunities to play sports for men at Iowa state are football and basketball, essentially, or in wrestling, you know, I mean, it's because of title nine, the, the amount of sports guys can play at Iowa state and you and I are actually, there's not very many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I will say this is probably the extent of my baseball knowledge coming to an end. Newt, do you have anything more to share? Um, no, I my baseball knowledge lately has been on the MLB side because I got big into fantasy baseball last year. So that's that's what drove me to Ooh, to give a shit about baseball team. again. Everyone loves to hear that on podcast. No, no, no. I, I don't. We don't need to do that. But but yeah. So if if you do want something that might get you interested, that that is one thing that you could consider is jumping into that. I, I literally hadn't paid attention to baseball for like 10 years. And I was like, all right, I want to have a competitive team. And you start to care a lot more about like a May baseball game than even like some NBA playoff games and shit like that, which is very funny, but it's the best daily, daily sport that there oh, is. By, it's my favorite fantasy. Like I, I think it kicks fancy football's ass too, because fancy football has so much variance and like just sort of, luck involved in it you know for lack of a better word whereas uh, you know like i've the only league i played in for baseball was like a, a roto categories league but it's like you have to kind of build a team and focus in on specific categories or you know try and try and you know kind of navigate and and like the nice thing is that you can always go like to the waivers and you know like the thing with like fancy basketball is like if you the waivers are trash and like any fancy basketball league, unless it's super shallow because like, there's just like so many elite players that matter. If anyone gets hurt or whatever, you're done. Fancy football, you can, you can kind of work through it, but fancy baseball, it's like, there's a lot of people out there playing baseball and you can like, you can really work through, through picking guys up and rotating them through your team and kind of like focus on stuff that I really like that, like strategic element of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not for lazy people. You got to be on it. Yes, that too. I mean, every day you got, you got to be, you got to be paying attention to that shit, but it's, um, I found like it was by far, like got me back into a sport that I had not paid attention or cared about for probably like eight years. So, and now it's like, I was like all in the labor negotiations watching like all the playoffs. I was watching random, like June baseball games with like my roommate (laughs) and stuff like that. Like things that I would not have been doing even just like two years ago. So um, been, been watching all the hot stove news, trying to figure out my keepers, all that kind of shit. So it's, it's, uh, it's been fun. So I love it. Why do you look so good? By the way, you just uh, you know, for us. when you get, yeah, when you get in your thirties, you just gotta, you gotta pay more attention. You know, Brady didn't learn, learn it tools thirties either. <laughs> I love how he just spoiled all of selection Sunday for everyone. 
I'm back. Yeah, classic Brady. Like, I don't know. He's got to have. He's got to have some deep seated issues to be still doing the things that he's doing in his <laughs> mid forties. He probably listens to Nimrods like me who still critique him on being the goat, and he's like, "All right, I'm out to prove those people wrong." He's probably going to do it somehow. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of feel bad for him in a sense. Why Just, is that? Like, he, he can't give it up. He's got to continue to do it. It's like, man, there's way more to life than being a quarterback, and he's missing out on a lot of things. He still does it at I, such a good level, though. It's, it's like he's going to be 46, and he just had his most passing yards in the season last year, which is – I mean, it's just like – I, I could see if he's tapered off or something, or, or if you, you feel yourself kind of falling off, but if you feel like you can still play at an elite level, like you might as well keep going until the wheels fall off. What's up, Ralph? No, I get it. Like he's still great. I just, the things that are still driving him for most people, they, they stop mattering at a certain age, like the vengeance and wanting to prove people wrong. It's like, man, that's just a, it gets really hard and tired to live that way all the time. Like you look at Michael Jordan, he's a tortured soul, you know, and I don't think anybody would want to be the 55 year old Michael Jordan that still can't sleep at night because he's still thinking about how he would guard LeBron. Like, it's just sad at some point. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like Tom Brady and I, I'm pretty vocal about it. But I would have a really hard time hanging up the cleats if I'm still like at the top of the ranks at what I'm doing. You know, like Peyton Manning, I'm the biggest proponent of him. He was showing his age, like dude is coming off a of neck surgery. Like he needed to be done. And I mean, you know, Tom Brady showing a little bit of his age, like he hit an ACL injury for his entire uh, Super Bowl year with Tampa. So, I mean, he's, he should probably hang it up, but it is hard when you're, when you're doing it at such a high level. I'm also not a dad. So I can't relate to, you know, being a dad and wanting to spend time with kids. I can only assume that that's like a huge, you know, probably the biggest thing in most everyone's life. But Tom Brady, I saw a tweet where I think it was Giselle took him to Whole Foods once on a Sunday and he's like, nope, I'm back. <laughs> Those are my favorite takes out of all this is like Tom Brady got a little glimpse of what it's like to be a husband and a father. And he's like, "Uh oh, nope. Send me back into the locker room. <laughs> oh, no. I, I hope he just comes back and is just terrible. Like, well, oh my gosh, do you know how happy terrible. I would be? No, he yeah, won't. He's going to win. He's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, the NFC is also like, like, do you uh, see what's happening in the NFC right now? It's not looking very good. I mean, if Deshaun Watson goes to the Panthers, that might change up his division a little bit, but it's pretty appetizing to see the three guys in your division. Like they don't know what they're doing at quarterback. And I mean, it's easy money to go to the, to the, at least, probably one seed in the playoffs. I don't know. I'm not trying to diminish what the Packers are doing with Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, I've gotten burnt on that the past three years. So I'm trying not to buy in next year. I like the theory that's out there that Brady was never actually retiring and he was just trying to strong arm Tampa Bay into working a trade to San Francisco and Tampa Bay held their ground. And they decided if you're going to play, you got to play here. And so eventually because free agency is starting like tomorrow or whatever, that he was forced to come back and play for Tampa Bay. Cause I think everybody thought if he was going to play again, it was going to be with San Francisco and Tampa Bay, you know, called him out on it. Yeah. I, I never bought into the San Francisco trade, but I mean, maybe that's what he was 
wanting to do and he just couldn't get there. You know, that was his entire prerogative. Like I'm going to retire, create some leverage, head out West. But, um, I don't know. I, I never bought into that. Cause I don't think San Francisco would waste as much as they did to get Trey Lance. And I mean, I don't, it doesn't sound like he's ready. I get that, but you still have to commit to him at some point. Otherwise it's a worse draft pick than Jordan love. And I don't think they're ready to admit that to himself yet. Uh, no, I think it's out there. I think the San Francisco stuff is out there. And I also think that's why they haven't done anything with Jimmy G yet. All they've done to Jimmy G is say he's not our quarterback and yet they haven't released him or traded him. You know, I, I, so I, I think that was real. I just think Tampa Bay didn't move. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not in these talks, but. I will say I love the NFL free agencies. Like there is turning out to be almost better than the NBA. Like they're just so much movement nowadays. I love it. Teams are finally yeah. like not overvaluing draft picks as much like oh the rams haven't had a first round pick or we just don't hit as well on guys so we should move these for proven veterans and that's always been the thing that's limited the nfl from having so much movement in the past is like teams are afraid to part with like a fourth round pick to give it up for a proven veteran and now it's like oh we have this guy that we know will have like under this cap space for three years like we'll we'll give give up some first rounders and then you also have like disgruntled quarterbacks and stuff that kind of adds it all um so yeah the money is just crazy in the nfl where you have rogers is worth 50 million and yet you still have some guys making six hundred thousand. you know it's just it's so so out of whack because the quarterback position is just so important do you think it's getting like almost too overvalued I never have thought that until this year. I'm starting to think like, oh my goodness, like cornerbacks are starting to be like a, a descending commodity in a way where they're just getting paid so much less than the guy, than the guy across from the wide receiver. And I'm thinking you need cornerbacks in order to be somewhat stable. Otherwise, you know, with just how prevalent the passing threat is in the NFL nowadays, you have some weak corners. You're easily like, you're going to have to be that the Falcons team where you put up 40 points each game to win, you know? And I mean, look at how, how high Matt value or Matt, what the hell, how, how high Matt Ryan is being valued at. And I mean, that's maybe that's a bad you know example, but I don't think that he's worth the money. And I think he's a really good quarterback. Yeah. I mean, none of these guys are actually worth the money with the exception of like one or two of them, but the market is what the market is. And it's, it's a byproduct of all the rule changes that have happened over the last 10 years that just place so much emphasis on protecting the quarterbacks, higher scoring, faster pace. All of them benefit the offense. None of them benefited the defense. So the de facto beneficiary is going to be the quarterback. And, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers are worth whatever you pay them. Same with LeBron in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron's worth $100 million bucks. You know, he's probably worth more than that to the Lakers every year. But because of artificial salary caps, there's not a true market of what these guys are actually worth. And, you know, baseball is kind of figuring that out now with these labor negotiations. But, you know, it's, it's not real economics. It's just only economics within this collectively bargained structure that they've they've created. And it's just so crazy. Whereas, like, that's why a LeBron or a Tom Brady they're worth 150 million and you know the name the 
fourth string guard or whatever isn't worth the hundred thousand dollars you know they're paying him on the practice squad same thing like with the nil or whatever in college sports that we've always talked about you know there are very few guys that are actually even worth the scholarships that they are on but those guys for the for the Brock Purdy's that, you know, you know, all of those type of players, the David Montgomery's, those type of guys are worth a million bucks to Iowa state. The other 95% of the roster isn't worth the $40,000 that is that they're getting paid to go to school. Fair take. Newt, yeah. were you just about to say that LeBron James is not overpaid or excuse me, not underpaid? No, I don't no. like LeBron, but he is worth he as could much wait, money as anybody could pay that guy. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, if they had an open market, he he would honestly pull in. I don't even know. You'd have to easily over 100 mil. Yeah, like, it's like he's, soccer he's, numbers. He'd be making yeah. what Messi and Ronaldo would be making. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Were you the one kicking from a couple weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, that was me. That was cool. Good leg. I like Yeah, that. thank you. Thank you. I thought that was you. I was like, man, I don't know. I, cause I couldn't <laughs> see your face really good, but I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I only kicked my senior year of high school was when I started. I, I played soccer all growing up, but I was always playing like a, a position in football. And then we had like this, uh, the, the guy who kicked for us, he decided not to go out his senior year. And then they're like, do we have anyone who can kick a ball? And I was like, I can try. Um, I, I've never really kicked a football. I've kicked plenty of soccer balls. Um, and then, yeah, working for the Steelers, I, I'd mess around with the facilities and, and kick some balls after work and stuff like that. It's, it, it's fun. It, it's a really, I don't know. It's one of those where it's like a, a new skill or sport to practice. So it's just like kind of learning it, the ins and outs form, that kind of stuff is, is always fun. So yeah, no, I, yeah, it's like a, a golf swing or whatever, you know, you're tweaking it. It seems pretty simple, but there's a lot more complexities to it, especially how you generate power and stuff. So it's cool. It looked good on Twitter. Hey, that's, EJ that's also did for. not believe that you got that. I know EJ was skeptical, but <laughs> it's whatever. Proved him wrong. All right. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Now you got to get going, but really appreciate you joining us. We'll have to do this again. You know, I just, a couple times a year, we'll have you on. It's so much yeah. fun having Tim Flaggers. I'll be the resident baseball uh, nut, you know? Yeah, no, that's that's the why one we time a year you, you want to talk baseball, call me up. <laughs> I said two. Two times a year I like right. to talk baseball. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks, right, guys. Well, Appreciate thanks you having me on. Us. Go Cyclones. Absolutely, man. Roll clones. Roll clones.